Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Okay, quick question before we look at this passage of scripture. How many of you are known sleepwalkers? Raise your hand. You're known sleepwalkers. Okay, a few of you. A couple of you have actually done that in church. You just didn't know it. But um, okay, how many of you, um, how many of you know someone? Um, like you've had a roommate, a, a spouse, children, whatever, sleepwalkers. How many of you have had that before? Okay. Parents, have you ever had your kids, like you're, you've sent the kids to bed, you're up, you're in the family room, whatever. Have you ever had a kid come into where you were and they're walking, they have this dazed look on their eyes, you know, and on their face and, and um, they're walking in there and you're saying their name, you're talking to them and they are, you know, they're there but they are not there, okay? How many of you have ever tried to work your roommates before for information when they're sleepwalking? Have you ever, how many of you have done that before? Yeah, that's just evil, okay? So you're trying to, you know, get stuff and ask them questions. And, and um, I, when I was a kid, my parents told me, you know, you don't know, you don't remember what you did last night, but, you know, you came down. And I can remember one time, I'm, I can re- I, have you ever woken up in the middle of sleepwalking before? How many of you have ever had that? Um, I had that one time when I was in college, I was working in the summer and I was working a new job. It was very taxing. I was physically exhausted. And um, I woke up one time, our washer and dryer were in the basement. I woke up one time in the basement and I'm trying to get my jeans out of the dryer. And I had no idea where I was. And here I am, I wake up. and, And so to get from upstairs downstairs and then down into the basement stairs to get to the dryer. I mean, that's quite a journey. I had no idea how I got there. I'm just walking in my sleep. The passage we're about to look at is of far more significance than some what we might call innocent sleepwalking. It actually speaks to something that we can almost envision in our minds if we do a little bit of, I don't know, maybe sanctified imagination. It's almost as if he's painting this picture for us that we could um, fill in some blanks. It's like we're, we're coming up over the crest of a hill and we see a massive space before us. I mean, it is a plateau and, and an opening that is quite vast and very large. The ideal place for the assembly of an army. And as we look out over this vast space, we see row after row after row of tents housing this great force. We begin to study the layout before us. All the accoutrements of battle are there and ready. But the camp seems strangely silent. And so we, we get a vantage point that is, that is a, a more clear opportunity to see what it is that's happening below. And, and we see that there is assembled this vast army, but the army is strangely asleep. Not dead, just asleep. The enemy is, is working without hindrance. And yet this vast army that is assembled is dormant. It's almost as if some some kind of mystical sleep has taken over them. Uh, Similar to what we might read in a pilgrim's progress where they go through this mist and this weariness, this drowsiness has overtaken 
And then we see some little stirrings happening the more we study and the more we watch. And and some movement and some lights that, that lanterns are lit in the general's tent and some activity and then the grinding wheel and the sharpening of swords and and, and slowly but certainly, this great army is awakening for the battle that is left unfought. The passage we're about to look at gives us this, this, um, this brief and yet very powerful, here is what the will of the Lord is. And he begins it with this jostling, it's time to wake up. He, he almost confronts us or or tries to I don't know rouse us into alertness by saying awake there is something before you and it is yours to possess over the next few Sunday evenings we're going to look at a person that is oftentimes the overlooked person in so to speak the room his presence is real his power is unparalleled his willingness to actually engage with any who desire to is present and yet so often he remains this this one who is sadly overlooked he is God the Holy Spirit and his readiness and willingness to engage us so that we may engage the battle is quite present. Your Bibles are open right now to Ephesians chapter 5. Tonight we're going to look at what we're calling the awakened army. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and let's begin reading in verse number 14. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And it's almost as as if he says, of course, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but... Here's what we are to be. Be filled with the Spirit. In this brief passage of Scripture that quite frankly is not all about the Holy Spirit, but does conclude or summarize in here's what you're going to need, we start to see that there are some simple and straightforward commands in this passage. First of all, he commands us to wake up. The the word dead here is not that there is the incapability for movement. It's destitute of power. It is inactive. He says, all right, now come on. You have something that you need. It's available. It's yours. So come on now, wake up. Don't act as if you are spiritually incapable of doing that which God has presented for us to do. So he says, wake up. And then he says, walk is wise. That's the word circumspectly. Okay, but walk circumspectly. We don't use that word a lot, but the word circumspectly, it's actually a a Latin word and, and it has to do with precision. The Greek word that's used here, it again has to do with accuracy, with great carefulness. 
Have you ever been walking someplace before where you did have to very carefully watch where you placed your feet? A slip in one direction or the other could be significant. So he's saying, now listen, walk circumspectly. Be very careful. So wake up. Now don't walk like you're half asleep. Don't be in some spiritual stupor. He says, walk circumspectly. Be careful about the next step that you take. And then he goes on, he says, know something. Know that our time is short. Make good use of it. He's saying you, you don't have this, this blank check, so to speak, regarding time and days and opportunity. So he's, he's saying in some way, shape, or form, seize the day. Take advantage of opportunity. We might even expand that just briefly this evening and say, hey, listen, take advantage of this season of life. Whatever season of life you're in, take advantage of this season. You know, right now in this room, of course, our children are over this evening in master clubs. And so I guess up through sixth grade, they're, they're there. They're engaged in a season tonight of life. Listen, I, I think a kid should have a lot of fun. You know, just, just be a kid and have fun being a kid and, and act like you're, you know, however years old. Just be a kid. And then when you're a teenager, we have a lot of our teenagers in here tonight. Man, your, your, your teen years... There are years to embrace in that season, that stage of life. But it is a passing stage, so enjoy it. And then don't look back with this mournful, oh, I wish I were. I, I've heard people say before, you know, okay, there's a lot of college students in here. You're in another season stage of life. I've heard people say, maybe you've heard someone address you in your college chapel or, or wherever. And they say, listen, these college days, they're the best years of your life. How many of you have heard someone say that before? Oh, yeah. And then have you ever been, when they say, these are the best years of your life, you're saying like, whoa, that's depressing, okay? <laughs> okay, listen, th these are the seasons of your life. This is the stage, the age of your life. So embrace the stage. And then you're going to be, you know, in your 20s and like, wow, this, this, this youthful time of your life and and your health and vigor and, you know, all of these different things, stamina, you know, hey, you're in your 20s and your 30s, you know, it's another stage of life. Every stage is going to be something that you should seize, enjoy, embrace the day. What's something today, so to speak? At this stage, we're like, you know, when I look back, I don't want to look back with this mournful regret, this great lament. I want to look back and say, I'm glad I did rather than I wish I would have. So he's saying, okay, walk wisely and then know as you're walking, you're, you're going to have a few moments of time. And we have few moments at every stage and age of life. So, you know, I'm in, an, I'm in another stage of life, and, and I like this stage, just like I liked the last one. I really did. I enjoyed my, my teen years. I enjoyed my college years immensely. I really, I enjoyed college. Okay. But I don't want to go back to it. And I'm not trying to be unkind, and I'm not trying to say anything. I just don't want to go back to it. I enjoyed it, but that was for a time. And, and then, you know, my... My, my 20s and I got married and all of those stages, I like them all. I like this one right now. But I have known this. I've noticed that they go by so rapidly. I mean, who here can remember when 
A lot of people in here, you can remember when the, the year of your high school graduation seemed like it was forever away. I remember when 1982 seemed like it was forever away. And now from the other side, it seems like it was forever away. So seize the day. That's, that's the, the things he's saying. Okay, now know that time is short, so make good use of it. And then he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Whoa, how in the world am I supposed to understand what is the will of the Lord? He says, no, 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 this is not complicated. This is not, you know, sometimes what we refer to as rocket science. He says, you can understand. You can know what the will of the Lord is. Wherefore, be not under, uh, unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He says, okay, at least in part, it's this. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. He says, listen, be careful. We might extrapolate a little bit further beyond the be not drunk with wine. So let's go a little bit beyond that. He says, be careful with that to which you submit control. What is it that controls you? He says, now don't, don't be foolish about this. Don't be unwise as to the will of the Lord. R really, what we're, what we're deriving from this is, whew, wow, I'm going to be controlled by something. So I better be careful as to what I submit myself to be controlled by. He says, now don't be drunk with wine. That, that's a given. That's obvious. I'm not, this is not a message about alcohol, but, but we would say, well, yeah, he's hearkening back to things like wine's a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. That's what he's doing. He says, don't submit yourself to, to turn into the fool because you've been controlled by alcohol. He says, but let me tell you what you should be controlled by. That, that's what he's doing. He says, okay, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but here's what you are to submit yourself to. Be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with. That word is rich with every kind of meaning that we might even in our own minds conjure up. Like, oh, be filled with. Yeah, he's just saying, come on now, um, fill her up, you know. Like, just, just keep pouring. Um, someone ever come by and say, would you, would, you, would you like some more coffee? And you say, yeah, 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 uh, top it off, please. And they keep pouring. Have you ever had someone, like, pour your coffee cup up to, like, like halfway? And you say, no, no, keep it coming. Keep it coming. I got, I got a big day, okay? And so you just, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, as it pertains to the Holy Spirit, he, he's saying, just keep filling it up. Fill to the full. He says, be filled with. Okay, now again, we have to derive from this, but we're not, we're not playing with Scripture. <clears throat> Filling always has to do with, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, because he's a person. We'll, we'll talk about that more as we walk through these, these a few messages. But we'll, we'll, I'm sure, talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, it has to mean, since he's a person... There's intellect, there's emotion, there is will. It's not just this power source. You know, some, some people errantly teach that the Holy Spirit, like, oh man, if you get, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're just, you, you, you can't control yourself. That's inconsistent with how the Holy Spirit presents himself. So he's saying, be controlled by the Spirit. Filling has to do with control. Okay, I'm the one who fills my jacket, okay? I fill it, therefore, whatever fills my jacket controls it. Wherever I go, the jacket goes. This is not fighting against me. This is not vying for control. 
filling has to do with control. So he says, be filled with the Spirit. By that, we can understand. He's telling us, don't be controlled by some external substance. Be filled with, be controlled by the Spirit. This is the pattern of the Christian life. Not not in this spiritual days. Not sleeping through the battle, but fully engaged. Not living life as if we are the forgotten children of a distant father. But we are going through life as the fully provisioned children of a very loving and caring father. Consider how thoroughly God has equipped every believer, every child of his. If you backed up just a little bit in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 16, listen to what the Bible says here. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Incredible. When you start to think about this passage and the resources that are there, wow, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, I know you've heard this before, and I'm not going to belabor it or even really work to illustrate it. But if he's going to grant you according to the riches of his glory, that means that there is some proportion, not just out of the riches of his glory. Listen, God, who is, is infinitely resourced, he, he, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. He, he's the omnipotent, almighty God. He has all power. Okay, so he's saying to us, I'm going to give you according to the vastness of my supply, not just out of. If it's out of, if I, I don't, but if I had a million dollars and you said, hey, could you give me some of your riches and I, and I toss you a quarter, well, that's a quarter out of. But if I give you according to, like, whoa, well, how much do you need? <laughs> Boy, it was amazing. I got this little, <laughs> just from how much do you need? Just the thought of like, okay, so it's not just here's the quarter. It is according to, you mean that's how God provisions us? Yeah, God says, I'm going to give you the the fullness of, and then he starts to, to even explain what does this look like. That you may be able to comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. To know, that doesn't mean, hey, I've figured it all out. It means there is an experiential knowledge of. Like, whoa, I'm experiencing, yeah, I I know this kind of love, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What an incredible promise to be supernaturally strengthened with his unlimited might by his spirit, and we might even add for his service. So God says he's going to supply us. The word dwell that is used again in this passage, dwell in your hearts by faith. The word dwell there carries the idea to make your residence, to be at home. What is it that makes Christ at home in your heart and in your life? 
Well, the day you trusted Jesus Christ, if you're saved, you know Christ personally. The day you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence. He's the one that makes your home, your heart, a fitting home for Almighty God. So he is trying to to make us the right kind of dwelling place to experience the fullness of God. Now we might ask the question, why do we need a little series of messages on the Holy Spirit? So as we wrap this up this evening, let me mention a few reasons why I think, at least for me, I would benefit from from understanding some additional help regarding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Why do we need this? Well, first of all, because we must be aware of our power. We must be aware of our power. Um, Any of you have a big dog that doesn't know how big it really is? Any of you have a dog like that? Yeah. Any of you have a big dog that actually thinks it's a lap dog? You have them like, oh, okay, yeah. They're these big 90-pound dogs that come jumping up in your lap. And, and, you know, if you're a guest in somebody's home and the dog comes and sits on your lap and you're a little awkward, you know, and, and, um, and the, the, usually the owner says, oh, I'm sorry, they just don't know how big they are. Okay. Do you know, one of the things that I, I, I feel as, as believers we oftentimes don't begin to grasp is the vastness of the power the resource available to people just like you and just like me. Have you ever thought like, oh, this this is too big for me. This challenge is too difficult. This obstacle too large. This hardship, God, too severe. Lord, this journey more than I can handle. And we start to process in ways of our strength our power, our ability. And I suppose we're rightly articulating the challenge because we're saying things like, Lord, this is too big for me. I can't, and then you fill in the blank for whatever it is that's before you. You know, sometimes we we get in these, these mental places, dark spots where everything now starts to become too big. I mean, this is too big and that is too much and this is overwhelming and I just, I can't do this anymore. It's as if we are telling God, God, you have me in an impossible situation and you have left me bankrupt of the resources necessary to navigate through these challenges. Is that really the case? Is that really the case? Did God lead us, place us somewhere where we just don't have the necessary resources to go to the next step? You know, here we are in... We just began the, the, the month of March, March 5th today. And I don't know what your March 5th world looks like right now. But for many, we start asking questions at different stages of life. Like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can handle this. You're in a new position at work. You have a, a, a new responsibility. You have new challenges. You have new things, new, new requirements that are being placed on you. It's like, I cannot do this. I'm physically incapable of And we start to just say, I can't. Well, did did God lead you to that place? Did he bring you to this point? Did he do so to leave you destitute of the necessary power to go on to the next? Uh, you're, you're, You're a student here. 
you're at campus church tonight, but you're here because you're a student at Pensacola Christian College. And you're thinking, I don't know that I have what it takes to finish this semester. It's like, I know we just got started, but I'm a, I'm a month in and I don't know that I can handle another, like I got a couple more months. I don't know that I can handle this. We, we start to wonder, do I have the necessary power? When we start to understand the person of the Holy Spirit, we understand that I do have the resource within, not of me. The Apostle Paul would put it this way. He would say, not I, but Christ. Really, Christ is saying, I left you, but I didn't leave you without the necessary resources. I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send you all that you need to navigate successfully life this side of eternity. That's the power we have in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, John 15, 5, he does acknowledge, he says it straight up, without me, ye can do nothing. That's not a bad realization, but we also as believers must realize in the person of the Holy Spirit, I do have what I need. Why do we need to, to learn about the person, the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, we do have to be aware of his power, our power in the person of the Holy Spirit. We also have to learn about his produce. What is it that he produces in my life? The Bible says in Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Um, hey, let's say them together, okay? Let's just say them together. Do you know them? How many of you know them without looking at the screen? Okay, let's, let's try to say them. And, and I'll... I'll not cheat either, okay? I'm not looking at the screen. If you look at the screen, no problem. You don't, you don't get penalized. You ready? Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Okay, the produce, what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of one who says, hey, um, fill her up. What the Holy Spirit produces are these beautiful produces. They're found nowhere else. The flesh always tries to imitate, but it can never reproduce. Um, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you like, um, you know, certain kinds of fruit, but as a kid, I remember my, my uncle, um, my aunt and uncle lived on this little farm We'd go out there and play with the cousins. There were a couple barns on the farm and, and we'd crawl around in the loft. We, we had a great time, okay? So played on the farm and on that farm, I, can, I know exactly where it is. If you came out their back door um, of the house, just off to the right, there was a rather sizable pear tree. And if you caught that pear tree at the right time of the season, have you ever had a pear where when you take a bite of it, the juice of the pear is so wonderful that it not only like it's just streaming down your face, you know, and you're holding onto the pear and then it starts to drip down. Have you ever had this before where it's actually like it's dripping down your elbow, you know, and the kitten's following you around, drinking from the droppings of you. I mean, it's just this wonderful experience. Have you ever had a Harry and David pear before when they're just ripe? It's a certain kind of, it's a company that sends out these, I don't know what kind of pears they are, but at the right time of the year and when those pears ripen, to bite into one of those pears, it is like, oh, that is singularly good. If you've had a, if you've had a bad pear, like one that's just, you know, like 
you can bounce it off the countertop, you know. That's not the kind of pair I'm talking about. When you have something, you bite into it and it's just like, oh, that is, that is wonderful. There's something uniquely singular about it. The fruit of the Spirit. There's something uniquely singular, like, like it can only be found at one place. Uh, often imitated, never, never reproduced. There's something about what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives that we come before it and we say, oh, wow, this is something that I need. Why is it that we, we should look and consider the Holy Spirit? Well, we have to be aware of his power. We have to be aware of his produce. Why? Well, because the lost need to be saved. You see, why, why should we consider the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a verse we've looked at often recently, but ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses. That's the connecting phrase. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in and, and it goes on. What is he saying? All right, listen, you're going to need something to be a witness. Like, oh, I just, I, I, I can't witness. No, you can you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then here's what you're going to do. You're going to be a witness. Why the Holy Spirit? To focus, to understand. Because we need comfort. Because we need comfort. Jesus is he's readying the disciples for his departure. And I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter. Think about those words. They're comforted with the presence of Jesus, but he's leaving. I'm going to send you another, me, but not me. Ye shall, you're going to receive another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. That is Jesus is right there with him. And shall be in you. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse number 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient. It is best for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. The Lord saying that another person is coming to take his place. The, the, the Comforter, the one who is called along to our side. What an incredible thought that there is always one ready to be a helper whose counsel and strength are readily available. R.A. Torrey wrote often about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. In one of his works, R.A. Torrey said this, Do you know the communion of the Holy Spirit, the companionship of the Holy Spirit, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the comradeship of the Holy Spirit? To put it all into a single word, I say it reverently. The whole object of this address is to introduce you to my friend, the Holy Spirit. Do you look at the Holy Spirit as your friend? Like, oh, there's somebody I can talk to. I know at times we feel alone, like, oh, I wish so-and-so were here. If only I could talk to, or if only I had a friend. R.A. Torrey said, oh, my burden, the, the, the compulsion of my heart is to be able to introduce you to my friend, the Holy Spirit. 
Lastly, why do we need to focus to learn more about this person, the Holy Spirit? Because our flesh is weak and the Spirit is willing. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you know there is only one way to get rid of emptiness? And that is by filling. I don't know what your life is like tonight, but there is one who was designed to fill. And he is the person of the Holy Spirit. No one here likes to be misrepresented. And in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, maybe there have been none that have been misrepresented like the person of the Holy Spirit. So over the next few Sunday nights, let's consider God, the Holy Spirit, our friend.